Welcome to At The Intersection. I'm Marion. And I'm Brian. And this is a podcast about policy, culture, and how the two intersect. Yeah, and today we are going to be talking about LGBTQ representation in pop culture and specifically from like a people of color perspective and how that goes with or goes against the current political climate we find ourselves in. So yeah. should be interesting. Yeah. Okay. Just to give a sort of background as to who we are and how we're coming at this conversation, um, I identify as a bisexual cisgender woman, which means um, I identify with the sex and the gender that I was born with. And I am a cisgendered hetero man. Um, yeah, yeah, that's me. And that's who we are. <laughs> okay. Um, and I've been like really personally excited about. Um, the rise in open and named bisexuals on TV that I've been seeing a lot. Um, like Cat from The Bold Type, which is the TV show that I just started watching a week ago. I watched the entire first season. <laughs> <laughs> like it's, it's a delightful show. I really, um, I really love it. So she and her um, sort of, her love interest are both queer women of color. Um, Callie from Grey's Anatomy and a TV show that I don't watch, but people keep telling me about, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, has this character, Daryl, who had an entire song where he came out as bisexual, um, which is pretty cool. Other than that, though, like, LGBTQ representation is going pretty badly, like, in pop culture in general. Um, and GLAAD does this annual studio responsibility index to just sort of clock the film releases that come out of major studios every year and see which characters are LGBTQ and like sort of break that down by orientation, um, gender identity, race, and all of that. And yeah, representation across the board is actually down over the last few years. And um, we actually didn't see any transgender characters in major motion pictures last year. Um, and it looks like, yeah. 12.8% of the movies that came out from major studios last year had uh, characters that were LGBTQ. And so, yeah, seeing that sort of representation go down is a pretty pretty disturbing trend. Yeah, so I guess, I mean, other than, like, general homophobia, mm -hmm. like... And transphobia. And transphobia, phobia, what are... What do you think is causing a trend downward? <sighs> I think part of it honestly has to do with the fact that Marvel is reducing is producing so many of these movies and they have like a very specific since they're owned by Disney like they have mm. a very specific aesthetic that they're going for mm. and that doesn't include queerness at all. Right. And so you even see characters who were queer in the comic books being um having just like having their orientation either erased or swapped or something so that they're just not queer in the movie. Right. So I think that's a big part of it probably. That makes sense. And I think also I mean there's just probably a long tradition of like <clears throat> super, super um, polarizing gender norms and gender roles in comic books in general. Yeah. Uh, not to upset comic book fans. <laughs> right, and I don't actually read any comic books. Neither like, the I. only ones I read when I was a kid were the Archie comics, which I don't know. Um, <laughs> I know they had, like, same-sex marriage in there, which is a very big okay. deal. Um, but I'm not keeping up with it, so yeah. I, can't, I can't tell you very much more. Yeah. 
Um, another thing that is happening more and more lately, I feel like, is called by the website tvtropes.org, it's called Word of Gay, which is when the creators say that a character is queer, despite there being zero text to back it up. And this is something that like I went on a text rant to you about <laughs> <laughs> last week. How this podcast episode came to be. Yeah, basically. I was like, you know what? I just basically vomited <laughs> an entire podcast episode on this man. Maybe we should record it. Um, but yeah, it goes back pretty far. Like even in sort of more current times, like Dumbledore is a big example yeah. where J.K. Rowling said, oh yeah, like Dumbledore is gay and everybody loved it despite the fact that there is zero text to back it up. Like, right, and I think we talked about this in the text message, which <laughs> we'll, post the, we'll post the records of the we text message. We will not. <laughs> <laughs> but like, you know, when she decided and like when she decided to, to say that he was gay was mm -hmm. after... Um, the series had gained all this popularity and after right. she was a success right. and after she started talking about all these like social justice issues. And so she was like not vulnerable to anything at all. She didn't, one, you know, one, he's, like you said, he's, he's gay only in name. Mm -hmm. um, and then two, um, it wasn't, there was no, there was no opportunity for a kid to read this as a child and to grow up and be like and start to identify and understand like it's okay to like there are these characters that are in this common book that right. everybody's reading like that right. wasn't no kid was given that that representation right yeah um, and instead it was just like kind of plopped on afterwards and everybody was like oh good for J.K. Rowling and right. it's like you know what? she didn't risk anything right. she didn't represent anything like she just said something and. Yeah, she got a lot of attention for it. But right. even, like, they're doing, you know, Harry Potter prequels now where we're having young, sexy Dumbledore. And they specifically said he is not going to be gay in these movies. So he's just not, he's not gay. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, that has been happening a lot lately for some reason. The same thing happened with LeFou from The New Beauty and the Beast where they said, oh, he's definitely gay, but then in the movie, like... He's just effeminate, and um, I think just sort of relies on a lot of stereotypes, and is just played by Josh Gad, who sort of brings that air to a lot of his roles. And so, he didn't like have a boyfriend, like he didn't do anything that you'd say like, oh yeah, that's definitely a character that was written as gay. That happened with the new Power Rangers movie, where they said that there was going to be um, uh, like one of the Power Rangers was going to be a lesbian, and then it turns out that all she did was frown when somebody asked her if she was a lesbian, and just didn't say no, which does not count. <laughs> right. Tessa Thompson's character from Thor Ragnarok was supposed to be bisexual, and they ended up apparently deleting that either from the script or deleted a scene where that was sort of, yeah, I'm not sure why. Mm -hmm. The character, the actress who plays Haley in Modern Family said that she thinks of her character as bisexual and then had to come out and say, just to be clear, it's never been written and it never will be written, but that's just how I conceive of the character. That's... So, oh, so as an actress. Yes. Because when I was reading this, I was like, I haven't, I've stopped watching Modern Family. Same. Um... <laughs> Didn't know that that was a, you know something that they written to the plot. But they didn't. That's because it wasn't right. Okay, exactly. Gotcha. Um, Deadpool is somebody who uh, Ryan Reynolds keeps on saying is pansexual, and yet it's never actually been like. Right. You can say that a character is pansexual, but if the only relationships he has is with, you know, the opposite gender, then he's not actually like you're not doing anything to back that up. You're right. just saying it. Um, and then Lando Calrissian. You know, I was wondering if you were going to talk about this. <laughs> this one is the one that I think just like triggered the entire text <laughs> rant. That um, I think the writer and director said, oh yeah, like Lando Calrissian is pansexual. And the reason that they said that was because the character as played by Donald Glover, um, they said was very flirtatious with Han Solo. 
And their example was that he called him baby, as in saying, you better buckle up, baby. And I was like, that's not him flirting. That's right. just him being cool. Like, I don't understand. <laughs> People call each other baby all the time. And then um, the actor, Donald Glover, said, oh, yeah, I mean, like, who wouldn't be pansexual in space? And I was like, that's not actually not text. Like, that's just you <laughs> saying <laughs> random nonsense. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so that's been going on a lot. And so I think that that's part of why people probably think LGBT representation is actually on the uprise because you keep seeing headlines about these characters that are allegedly queer, but when you actually watch the movies, they're not at all. Right. So it's a lot of box checking. Exactly. And not even really box checking. Like it's just a headline right. and you get a lot of attention for it. There have even been articles written about how far the Star Wars series has come because Lando is pansexual. It's like, but he's not though. Like he's just not. Also, I mean... Yeah, I'm not going to get down this other tangent, but like talking about the fallout from, particularly the one, and I'm I, I don't know people's names. That's fine. You, you know, I'll this. figure it out. Yeah, yeah. The um, the love interest of uh, the one character, talk on it. Do you know what movie you're talking about? The last Star Wars movie. Okay, didn't watch it. Okay, <laughs> never mind. <laughs> I point thought being, I was going to be able to help. <laughs> the point. The point is that a lot of Star Wars characters, or Star Wars fans, mm-hmm. are trash. Oh yes, I see what you're talking about. You're talking about the um, Kelly Marie Tran, yes, who just got, yes. um, who yeah. just deleted all of her social yeah, yeah, media yeah. accounts because she's yeah. been harassed so much. Yeah. Yeah. So the idea that like Star Wars has pushed the envelope is right. Ridiculous. It's ridiculous because just the fact that they are casting people of color and women is enough to make the fan base react so negatively that numerous actors are and mostly female actors are pulling themselves off social media because right. they can't take the abuse. Right. So yeah, there's no. <laughs> Thank you for helping me with yeah, that. No problem. <laughs> you got that. <laughs> um, but yeah, I wanted to talk a little bit about how like. The LGBTQ community is portrayed either explicitly or implicitly in movies and have been, I think, since movies started. But there has been a lot of really interesting negative coding. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are a lot of different categories of how we're coded as a community. Um, and these are all, like, these are not my names. These are names, again, that come from the website, tvtropes.org, which is a fantastic website. But I think they really make a lot of sense. So one would be the depraved homosexual. And that's, like that tends to range from effeminate men who we know we're supposed to dislike because they're being right. negatively compared to the ma- the more macho male lead. Um, that can go from there to like actual just like serial murderers and rapists. Right. And so you just know you're not supposed to like this dude. And even though it's not explicitly said because he's gay, that's the very clear subtext. Um, one really good example would be the movie 300, which yep. you remember this, mm-hmm. yep. <laughs> which I saw in theaters in Harvard Square, which I've never regretted <laughs> a movie decision so much in my life. It turns out like the entire history department came to watch this movie and they're like, fact check. <laughs> I was like, please stop. This is a comic book movie. <laughs> but the big bad guy in that movie, and I cannot remember his name now off the top of my head. I see his face. Yeah, you know his face. He is short and round. He is tall and Wait. muscular. Who are you thinking? You're about? talking about the bad guy? Yeah. The leader of the um, the leader of the Persian army, he's got all the jewelry in his face. Oh yes, yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, I'm I was thinking about. about the traitor. Oh, oh, the guy. Oh, yeah, yeah. I know who you're talking about. He wasn't even a big bad guy. He was just no. Well, okay, I keep going. Thank yeah. you. Um, but yeah, so the big bad guy, he is you know seven foot tall. Right. He is painted in gold. He is played by an actor of color. He's covered in jewels, and he keeps saying things about how like. 
you know, all of the armies of the world will kneel before you if you but kneel before me. The very obvious subtext being like, he is gaily sexually uh, harassing the ma- the macho male lead played right. by Gerard Butler. And Gerard Butler like pushes this off very, you know, very brusquely. And so that is one really like, in a very homoerotic movie, it is very odd that they would have the one character you're like, no, 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 like this is just like men having fun with each other and loving each other in like a cool way. But what this dude is doing in, you know, like this villain is doing is not cool because he is actually coded as gay. Right. Um, so yeah, that is one example. Disney movies, for some reason, have a lot of this. And this is going back to like, I mean, this is going all the way back to like Robin Hood, which is one of my favorite Disney movies. Um, going back to The Jungle Book um, and then up through like Aladdin and The Lion King. Like all of the bad guys in those movies are very coded as effeminate men yeah. and they are the bad guy because of that. Um, going back to 300 real quick. Mm-hmm. There's even, so the scene I was thinking about was specifically the scene where the traitor kind of like affirms that he has now traded sides. Yes. Um, and there's like this big, huge like group sex scene and yes, the orgy scene. <clears throat> right. And so I, for me, when not the first time seeing it, but when I saw it in this context, mm-hmm. um, I thought about like how that was signaled uh, as like this crossover to... Um, right, right, yeah. Because, I mean, and there's, there's a lot of sex in that movie. Yes. Um, <laughs> but it's all, you know, we're talking about like the 300 or the, I don't know what, I guess, are they Greek or whatever? Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's all made up. Um, <laughs> It's very, I mean, it is, it is very, it's all very heteronormative sex. And it's like, that's the, that's like the, they're doing their duty and they're like, and as soon as you see this, uh, this just different perspective represented. other kind of sexuality. Right. It's like, it is very clear, clearly signaling that this person is now on the bad side. Right. Um, So that's what I thought you were talking about. But yeah. Yeah. That makes, I mean, that's a good example as well. That like any sort of sexuality that is not just like heterosexual, like, monogamous sexuality. Yeah, nuclear, like, the straight man having sex with his straight wife, like, that's, anything that's not that (laughs) is bad. (laughs) In, like, the most stiff way possible. Yeah, I remember just being very (laughs) uncomfortable. I was like, this looks terrible for everybody. (laughs) Whereas, like, the orgy, I was like, everybody seems to have a great time. (laughs) I'm, I guess, a bad guy. I don't know. Um, So, yeah, this comes up in a, this also comes up in uh, Sherlock Holmes. Like, every iteration of Sherlock Holmes that I've seen, Moriarty is always coded as very gay. For those who are listening who don't know the characters, can you? Sure. So, uh, Sherlock Holmes. Sherlock Holmes is the main (laughs) character in Sherlock Holmes. And his best friend is Dr. Watson. And the two of them, you know, solve crimes together. Sherlock Mm -hmm. Holmes being the genius, Watson being, like, the non-genius, but who's good at, like, real world stuff. Okay. Um, Moriarty is Sherlock Holmes's greatest enemy. It's like his arch enemy. Okay. And so on the TV show, <laughs> on the TV show, like Sherlock and Watson are very strongly coded as a gay couple, even though each of them explicitly says in almost every episode um, at this point, I'm not gay, slash, I'm not in love with Sherlock, slash, we're not dating. Um, and the Moriarty character is always just sort of like the counterpoint, like, see, that's an actual like coded gay person that you don't like. These two, they just love each other and it's cute. Um, so that's another example of that. Mm-hmm. For some reason it comes up, I know what the reason is, but for some reason it comes up in a lot of Tom Cruise movies that the bad guy is coded as very effeminate to contrast with the super macho <laughs> Tom Cruise, <laughs> which I just think is just so laughable. Um, comes up in a lot of Hitchcock movies, and then James Bond, in particular, the bad guy in Skyfall, 
who at one point seems like he's coming on to James Bond. Like James Bond mm-hmm. is tied to a chair and he like rubs his hands up his thighs. And uh, <laughs> yeah, it's a very, it's like a, it's, it turns into a joke because the guy says like, oh, you know, like I thought you'd be more nervous for your first time or something like that. And James Bond says, what makes you think this is my first time? It's like, oh, snap, is James Bond bisexual? Just kidding, not at all. He's just making a joke. But like... And I've not really watched that many James Bond movies because they haven't cast Idris yet, but... Um, well, he's he's too street, you know? You know, you're right. His accent is just off. Yeah, it it's not work. posh enough. Yeah. That's when I think Idris Elba, I don't think Because posh everybody who watches James Bond tuxedo. is a dialect expert and would like just break that shit apart. <laughs> so... No, but I think um, actually kind of transferring it over to Mike Myers and um, a lot of his movies, mm-hmm. it's, I mean, of course, it's elevated to a whole nother level, but it's very obviously there. Yeah. Um, the, like mean, gay his, panic jokes. Right, exactly. Yeah. And his, I mean, obviously his sexuality is completely elevated, but it's, you know, so it's made even more obvious for those yeah. of us who are less refined. Those of us who just like to laugh. <laughs> <laughs> just trying to have a good time. Um so yeah, so that's the depraved homosexual code. There's also the psycho lesbian code, which comes up um, not as much, I guess. Yeah, I guess it doesn't come up as much just because there are way fewer female characters in movies generally. Um, All About Eve, which is one of my favorite movies and is just sort of like an iconic gay movie because one of the main characters is very obviously gay and like there is a lot of lesbian subtext. But the, um, the sort of bad guy, spoiler alert, Eve, seems to be like, <laughs> it's right there in the title, seems to have this sort of like lesbian obsession with the main character. Mm-hmm. And that's what's driving her desire to both be her and to sort of like dominate her. Um, Basic Instinct, which is <laughs> one of my favorite just trash movies. It's a terrible, like I can't recommend it to anyone. It's just, it's <laughs> You say garbage. that, but you know. Um, don't, please don't bring that up. Mm-hmm. That was a different, that was different. <laughs> I'll never watch that again. <laughs> that's what you say, but how many times have you seen it? Twice. Okay. That that was once because I made my wife watch it. I couldn't make her do it by herself. Okay. What sort of person am I? I wouldn't. I don't, no comment. <laughs> Good. <laughs> so yeah, there's a psycho lesbian. There's also the depraved bisexual, which is something that comes up. Like bisexual women generally are just not to be trusted. Um, tend to have homicidal tendencies, that sort of thing. And then blacks. Then, oh, I was gonna sorry, say, don't. and also like they all, in a lot of contexts, it's like they're. Um, the way that they're manipulating people is mm-hmm. always based upon their sexuality. Yes, absolutely. Um, yeah, which is just, an, like, that has a whole gender thing where, like, female bad guys tend to use their sexuality as a weapon, which is just something that comes from a sort of, like, you know, male panic. Right. Um, and then Black Swan, which is an interesting one um, about a woman who seems to be going through some sort of, like, psychological downward spiral and is losing her mind. And one of the symptoms of her losing her mind, along with, like, bulimia and hallucinations and extreme violence towards other people, is her attraction to another woman. (laughs) So, you know, just when you're losing your mind, (laughs) those are the things that happen. One of the signs of hysteria. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) It's actually, like, one of those, like, I remember sitting in the audience and just, like, hating this. I was like, this is a really, like, anti-woman, anti-queer sort of movie. And then reading reviews are like, this is incredible. I was like, I can't. It would actually be interesting to look in, like, the DSM, old DSMs and see. It's not old DSMs. It's... I mean, like, I have a copy that's still got it in there. Gotcha. Yeah, it's, okay. it's not old. <laughs> Which brings me to the creepy cross-dresser <laughs> trope. <laughs> and this is just about transphobia and just fear of gender queerness in general. And that comes up in a lot of horror movies, like Silence of the Lambs. Buffalo Bill is mm-hmm. coded as both gay and a cross-dresser. Um, Psycho, spoiler alert, the, <laughs> the bad guy dresses up as his mother um, in order to murder people. 
um, and is also coded as gay throughout the movie. But it also comes up in comedies like Arrested Development. You see Tobias Funke like constantly dressing up as a woman, and yeah. it's supposed to be a joke, and it's <clears throat> making everyone uncomfortable. Yeah. And then also one of my favorite TV shows, Community, which is, I mean, I just love that show so so much. But the fact that the dean like tends to dress up in like like he tends to dress up in drag a lot and has all these excuses for it, and people keep on calling him creepy or calling him a pervert, and like that is one really sour note in an otherwise really good TV show. I think also there's something to a lot of those movies that um, thinking about Psycho, which I haven't seen, but thinking about like, so spoilers for a movie that came out in 1940. I'm okay with it. But, you know. but um, there's something there and it's something, it's a little bit there in Arrested Development too, but it's something about um, men and their relationship to their mothers mm-hmm. and this idea of like creating gay sons and like I don't I don't know what it I don't know what it is there but there's a lot written there and there's a lot oh, yeah. in literature and all that type of stuff about absolutely um, you know you passing these effeminate values onto their sons and as a result they're broken in all these different right. ways you know and not only are they broken because like they're not broken just because they are gay they're also broken in some other way and that other way is usually that they murder like right yeah your sexual orientation is very tied up in you doing another thing that society sees as really bad and disgusting. And taking it outside of like um, movies and te- television, like that is a that is a thing that you hear a lot of. Like you need to make sure that this boy has a man can learn to be a man, or you need to you know it, it ta- it's just a lot of ways that we raise men mm-hmm. is based in like making sure that they're not gay, and it's like that's terrible (laughs) and that's the thing about pop culture that it doesn't I mean like that's sort of the premise of this entire podcast that it doesn't come from nowhere like it's not just like these values that came out of nothing like they are movies and TV shows and books like they're all created by people and people have these associations these values and these stereotypes that um, that they put into all of their work and so that's why you keep on seeing the same things repeated over and over again so yeah, so that's some of the bad representation that's out there. <laughs> we can switch. We can switch for a second and talk about you know, maybe some happier stuff. Moving towards some better representation. Mm-hmm. Um, the first thing that popped into, into my head um, was Moonlight, um, mm. which was a great movie. Um, I can never see that in public again. <laughs> I cried too hard. <laughs> I mean, so there's there's a lot of things in that, and so I guess the two things I wanted to talk about were um, one, the range of masculinity that was presented, um, kind of all up and down the spectrum um, from both characters characters of multiple um, sexualities. So mm-hmm. it, it wasn't you know people people's um, ability to empathize and to be supportive um, were not categorized according to one specific um, um, trope or one specific um, stereotype. It was just like people living their lives Mm -hmm. and they happened to be black Mm -hmm. and they happened to be a ranging level, ranging ranging, um, types of sexuality. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's what was so really good about that movie. Um, And it, you know, so there's a lot on, there's a lot talking about masculinity in that one piece in particular. There's a lot that's been written um, throughout um, throughout time, but also very recently about um, black masculinity in particular. Um, so <clears throat> one book, um, and we'll link to it, or mm-hmm. we'll yeah we'll link to it. Um, Looking for Leroy by Mark Anthony Neal. 
is <clears throat> this book where he quote he calls for a quote radical reshaping for the accepted performances of a heteronormative black masculinity. Um, and essentially, what he's writing about in the book is um, the idea that one um, black people and black men don't fit into these stereotypes that have been presented. Right. Like, so first of all, it, it's just like a bad fit. Like this is not reflective of reality. Right. And then two, he begins to talk about it, and there's a lot of um, other writers who have written about, written about it. So like Don Belton or Rudolph Byrd have written about how, um, how, this neg- how these stereotypes of what masculinity is, how they negatively impact one, um, queer boys of color, mm-hmm. um, queer men of color, and then also uh, men who identify as heteronormative. And, and the, uh, the reason being um, is that we're all, we all share these different aspects about our personality and ourselves um, that are you know, not confined to these stereotypes. Um, and so we're either relegated to uphold the stereotype in order to fit into whatever it, it is that we think we're supposed to fit into. Mm-hmm. Um, and if we don't do so, then people risk um, oppression and ostracization and all these types of things. So the point being, wherever you fall um, along the spectrum, um, these stereotypes are either actively causing you to be oppressed um, are passively a ca- causing you to be oppressed. And, and I will note, like, that's not, there's a very distinct difference between the experiences and the obstacles that queer black men face mm-hmm. as opposed to um, hetero black men. Mm-hmm. So, like, that's not to say that we're all facing the same issues. But it, I think it is important, and one thing that I've learned um, and am try- continue to learn and try to learn is, like, how does this stuff affect me? Yep. Um, and how did it affect me as a child growing up, especially thinking about high school and, like, forming your identity and thinking, like, oh, these are the things that I should be into and things that I should be interested into. Um, and it's just, t- it's harmful. It is toxic, um, up and down. Um, yeah, so I kind of wanted to, I guess, mention that stuff. Um, I mean, there's a, some really cool quotes that really challenge the idea, that idea of masculinity. And so Rudolph Byrd says, he wants a mode of masculinity for black men who are committed to the uh, um, abolition of emasculating forms of masculinity. A mode of masculinity for black men who are committed to the ab- abolition of racism, sexism, homophobia, and other ideological traps. So um, there's some really good writings. Um, I don't know if it's really been like I said, Moonlight is the first one that comes to my mind. I don't know if it's really yeah. been put into pop culture like that. The thing, like, I think that the representation of just like people of color in general is so limited. Then you see so there's just like there's no room because we're not represented that much. There's so little room for us to represent ourselves on like, you know, the spectrum of sexual orientation and yeah. gender identity. So there's like Moonlight would be the only thing that comes to mind because there's not that many other, yeah. especially not in movies. I will say, even, like, where I grew up. So I grew up in Charlottesville, Virginia. Um, and there's just, like, there are not that many people of color there. There are not that many black people there, especially, like, where I went to high school. Mm-hmm. I was in a very, very small minority. Um, and so I had one black male. I did not. I had one black male person who was in my school. He wasn't a teacher. He was, um, like, our gifted person. Um, but I didn't have my first black male professor or teacher until I got to college and um which is why I went to HBC I was like I'm done with this shit (laughs) I need to to see (laughs) but um but you know so you start to I had my dad I had my father which was you know 
he was great, but I had to form. I didn't have a lot of a lot of stuff to pull from, a lot of right. examples to pull from right. that weren't um, in these limited, very stereotypical pop culture um, references. And so, specifically, like you know, whatever was on BET, right? Like that's where we <laughs> saw black men, right? And so, you and that's know, very narrow, right? It was very narrow, and it was very polarized. So you were either you were either um, heteronormative and had like these um, five things that you could do mm-hmm. or you were not and you had these other five things that you could do and and if you you know there was no there was nowhere there's no spectrum there's no place in between those two ideas um, right. yeah I think that makes a lot of sense. and yeah I feel like similarly that they're just <laughs> I can't imagine and I'm going to talk about the bold type a lot just sort of on this episode and in all of my conversations, but like if I had been a teenager watching this show and seeing like a black woman with natural hair, like exploring her sexual orientation and realizing that she's bisexual, like that would have been such a godsend in high school. Yeah. Like, cause in high school there wasn't anything. So I was just like, well, I guess I'll just like stick with the, you know, straight stuff. Not that I was that represented on screen anyway, but just like, yeah, I could just sort of like fit myself into my best friend's wedding. This makes sense. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like, it makes a huge difference thinking that there's somewhere that you fit, thinking that there's some way that you can be that is still okay, um, that there are just different ways of living. That's crucial, and there's not enough of that. And I don't know if this is something you want to talk about or not, but like I would imagine, um, I mean, to be able to communicate with family and with friends and with people in your life, like, this is part of my identity. Mm-hmm. If there aren't those other... like. To be the only person that they've ever seen who is different, right. like w- that's not helpful. Right. You know? Or if they only have negative associations right. with that because they've only seen negative associations. Right. So you say something like, oh, I'm bisexual. And they're like, like that woman from Basic Instinct? That's terrible. Like that's... <laughs> right, right. Yeah. So if you have someone who can say like, yeah, I'm bisexual. Like Kat. And they're like, oh, she's cute. I understand this. Yeah. Like, yeah, that makes a huge difference. Being able to just give someone else a point of reference is really helpful. Yeah. So yeah, I think, I mean, Moonlight I think is a beautiful, like it's beautifully representative of something that never really gets shown. And again, something like, like characters like Kat on The Bold Type or like Poussey on Orange is the New Black mm-hmm. um, and Sophie on Orange is the New Black. Mm-hmm. I think Laverne Cox is probably the one trans actor that most of pop culture loving America could name. Yeah. And it is a huge deal that we now have someone that we can point to and say like transgender, like Sophia, like right. that's, and to have them be just sort of like real nuanced meaty characters who their sexual orientation or gender identity is not the only thing you know about them, but you get to understand it so well and you get to understand them so well that it just feels like, yeah, they're real human yeah. people. I will say, I think <clears throat> maybe the next step, I mean, she's very conventionally beautiful. Yes. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and, and so I think, right, like getting even more representation is, right. is cr- critical for that reason because not everybody fits into like our conventional standards of beauty. Right, like know? not everyone looks like, like, you know, like she could probably pass for Beyonce. Like if she needed to, <laughs> she could probably pass for Beyonce. Like let's, yeah. Yeah. And same with, you know, Samira Wiley. Like she's gorgeous. I love her face, she's wonderful, <laughs> but like, and Orange is the New Black is sort of an odd example because you do see a lot more people than just conventionally attractive, right. like skinny women on that show. Um, but yeah, just like letting us be ourselves and all of our sort of like physical diversity and 
gender and orientation diversity, like that's that's pretty major. Orange is the New Black, I think, was a huge deal for the community just because we did have suddenly so much representation in just one show. Mm-hmm. Um, it is still weird that like the former main character Piper like is one of those bisexuals on TV who never says that she's bisexual. Right. She just says things like, I just like hot people. And it's like, I understand like in real life not wanting to label yourself, but if it's a representation thing, like I right. really want people to just sort of like name themselves. Yeah. And so I can say like, yes, that is a bisexual and you're not just sort of like using it as this like tool to excite viewers or anything like that. Right. Um, yeah, it's also, the same. Oh, sorry, go no, on. I was going to say, the interesting thing about that series, though, is like she's not even the most important character. Remotely. She's just so. a Trojan <laughs> horse. Like. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's... Yeah, I, I used to love that show, and I think it went a little off the rails, but that is neither here nor there. Um, probably going to still watch season five. It's yeah. right, six. Yeah, I don't know. The new one. The next one. Yeah. Without... Um, Poo- hmm? Without... Oh, spoiler. What did you I was say? say? Without Puse. She's been off the show for a while now. Is it? Okay. You missed the last one, didn't you? No, I've seen it. Don't worry about it. It's fine. (laughs) Uh, So, yeah, we can zoom out a little bit and talk about the policy context that we find ourselves in. The year mm. of our Lord, 2018. <laughs> <laughs> it's going so well. For it's all going of us. just about as good as the year 2016 and 17 went. Yeah, well, so. 16 was a little bit better because I mean, I we had hope. Like, <laughs> we thought it was going to end real different. From November, <laughs> yeah, 2016 up until I'm talking about Trump. Yeah, I don't know if you caught that. Picked it up. Yep, okay. thank you. Um, so you know, one thing that's interesting is. There was a lot of, um, I guess there was some conversation about Trump as a person (laughs) throughout his candidacy about the question of does he hate the LGBT community or does he not? Yes. (laughs) I I didn't understand why we're having this conversation at the time. And a lot of people, yeah, so it was like a question that people were asking, which is... Like, oh, is he just trying to, like, rally his base? Right, yeah, exactly. Or does he actually believe that? And I I guess part of it, I guess it was made possible by the the idea that he is of this, like, Hollywood community-esque type of thing. Mm -hmm. I guess it was also made possible by the fact that he has no history of any decision-making regarding policy at all. Because he's unqualified and unfit So if you've never never had to make a decision on policy, then people can paint whatever they want to paint on you. Right. but, you know, since 2000, since November 2016, like, that question has been answered over and over and over and over again. I mean, and I'll, I guess even during the election, like, that question was answered. Yep. Because anybody choosing, anyway. If you say homophobic and transphobic things just to rally up your base, you're still saying homophobic and transphobic things. So, like, you're still being that. Like, you are right. still hating that community. If you choose a vice president candidate who has been very openly hostile and just hateful, mm-hmm. then you're of that camp. Right. Or even if you identify with a political party right. that has been very, very clear, then like, you you know, so... You're yeah. on that side of history, right. yeah. It's like, like, is he actually racist or is he just saying things? It's like, I mean, if he's saying racist <laughs> things and promising to do racist things, yeah. he's a racist duck. Like, I don't know what to tell you. So, um, so I kind of just pulled, and this is not at any, this is not even close to an, ex, an exhaustive list, mm-hmm. um, but just a list of some of the kind of more um, 
maybe more notable um, things that his administration has done um, in terms of policy. Mm-hmm. Um, so the one of the one of the ones being the military ban on transgender service members, which yep. he decreed through tweet. Right. And then the armed services were like, we did not say that. That's just him. And then he went about, you know, making it real. Yeah. Um, and the crazy thing about, I don't even know what the crazy, the, one of the things about that um, was the justification. Mm-hmm. Um, was, you know, the health, they were concerned about the health care costs of the military. Which is the idea that they would be concerned about health care costs of anybody when they're also trying to cut Obamacare is right. just laughable. Like, so, yeah, that, I mean, and, and, like, it turns out that there was, like, there was no significant health care cost at all, which even if there was, like, it's not a justification. And that is the justification used to hate a number of different communities. Right. Like, oh, well, I'm just worried about, you know, like, health care costs. It's like, this is why I'm saying all these hateful things towards fat people, because I'm worried about health care. It's like, right. that's, you just want to hate somebody. That's yeah. all it is. So that was one. Um, another was the protection or the dismantling of protections of uh, trans students in our K twelve mm-hmm. system, um, and I mean in in the most literal sense. In, I mean, you can blame Betsy DeVos or you can just blame the entire system, um, but I mean the removal of language that actually pl- puts these protections in place that allows students to um, to be called by the gender that they identify with Mm -hmm. um, to use the restrooms, of course, Mm -hmm. with the gender that they identify with. um, And these were just flat out removed. Right. And this is something we saw a preview of here in our home state Mm -hmm. um, with the bathroom bill, just sort of not allowing transgender people to use the bathroom that corresponds with their gender identity. Um, The idea basically being that transgender people are not allowed to exist in public. Because if you can't use the bathroom in public, then like, why would you even go out in public? Like, what? That's there's no way to enforce any of these. It's just a way to make you understand you are not welcome in this society. Right. And to like, <laughs> the bathroom bill was bad enough because that was just like, I mean, that was legislation that was about sort of like adults in public spaces. The rolling back of protections for students is like you're actively hurting children right. who are already suffering. Probably. Like, right. I mean, there was a recent um, kind of a recent tweet about this Illinois teacher who um, mm-hmm. did not return to the classroom, mm-hmm. um, was removed from the classroom, I guess, after refusing to, um, to recognize one of their students. And, and I, I think you're right. I mean, like, one of, the, one of the points in the tweet was, like, your sole job is to protect and care for children, and you can't do that. Right. Um, you would rather be a bully. Like, the kid isn't already getting bullied. Like, right. I mean... So, yeah, so, and also, I think it also goes to a couple of things. Like, one, the amount of money that the state of North Carolina spent fighting this case. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> the amount of money that we lost because people stopped coming to the state. Right, so you can no longer make, like, your, you make your decisions based upon physical conservatism. Mm-hmm. Um, the idea that you are the protectors of, of women and children, mm-hmm. like, you can't make that claim anymore because you don't give a shit about children. Right. Um, so, like, it, it, it's crazy. I don't want to use that word. It is wild the lengths um, and bullshit that will be just, like, put out in order to adhere to these, like, social values that, like, really nobody, like, that are Nobody's fabricated. Yeah, like, I mean, they're, like, this isn't, I mean, polling, like, polling, polling doesn't matter because rights are rights. Right. <laughs> but, but even if polling did matter, like, it's so out of touch with, like, people's experiences and how people actually want to treat people. Right. Um, 
So it's just a whole bunch of old guys. No, it's not. That's it's not a whole bunch of old guys. It's a whole bunch of people because yeah. it's not just old guys. Um, I like to blame most stuff on old white guys because it's usually their fault. But I think this is beyond. You know, this is a culture thing, and it's a whole bunch of people with their heads stuck up their asses who, like, really are, um, who are. I don't. I don't know. I guess they're afraid. Mad with power. Oh yeah. yes. <laughs> well, yeah. There's an interesting, and I think I might have talked about this on the show before. There's a really interesting article about how even though conservatives control every branch of government right now, um, they've got, you know, like, the House and Senate locked up, they've got a man in the White House, and the Supreme Court is clearly trending more conservative. They are still losing the culture war because it's very clear that we are, like, as a society, we are not moving in a conservative direction. Um, The legislation is, and the people in power are, but as a society, we are not. And so you can still, as a conservative, feel like you are under attack and that you are losing something, even though you have all of the power right now, because you're on the wrong side of history, yeah. and that feels very scary. Yeah. I imagine. Yeah, yeah. And so I have right, a long time before I'm going to be on the wrong side of history. Like the solution isn't like to get Caitlyn Jenner on your side. Like the solution <laughs> is to to do the right thing. <laughs> no, you just need one celebrity. <laughs> you just need one. You know, topical celebrity, and then you're good. They keep trying it. <sighs> I hate it. Anyway, go on um, with this list of awesomeness. <laughs> <laughs> so, I think one thing that's been talked about a lot are the massive amount of anti-LGBTQ federal judges that he has appointed. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, and I think one thing that's interesting about this is like, it is a very trackable measure. Yes. Like you can look and see how people have ruled and. Um, what type of things they've written, um, and you can see how they treat um, treat issues based upon that. So, yep. um, one measure says that one third of all his appointees have verifiable like records of um, of, discriminator- of discrimination. Um, Neil Gor- Gorsuch, Gorsuch, um, Gorsuch yep. our new Supreme Court justice, has a record of discrimination, um, and the courts are a really scary place because yes. that's not like legislation. Um, it's not like the executive branch where you know there's turnover. Um, this stuff is very permanent and it's very hard to, to roll reverse. back. Yeah. yeah, and it has deep implications into daily life. And I think people don't think about courts that much because they're not as visible. But mm-hmm. I mean, like, even with I mean, I know you have this on the list, but like the masterpiece cake shop v. Colorado case, like that's the outcome would have been different if we had a different balance on the Supreme Court and the way you get a different balance on the Supreme Court is having, you know, like more progressive judges in federal court in other lower courts. Like there's a whole, it's not an assembly line, but there's a whole just sort of like line of succession yeah. basically. And if you start appointing people who are conservative, they're going to start making conservative rulings. They're going to continue to go higher and higher up the chain. And we're going to see conservative rulings that come, you know, like from the, from the federal level. It's, yeah, it's terrifying, and I think it's not its not as visible, I think. It's right. not as yeah. flashy, but it is, like, it has very far-reaching implications. No, you're absolutely right. Like, courts don't get a lot of attention, and you'll hear about, like, this case went to the Supreme Court, and then it'll be silent for a while. Right, right, right. Um, and then you'll hear about it, all of them in one week, in the middle <laughs> of the And they just go bang, 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 yeah. and you're like, this is too many cases. Yeah, and but the implications are, are really serious. I mean, the other, the other thing being that... Um, like there's two t- there's two sides of policy and one is like this very you know white ivory um, columns and you know ivory tower ivory tower I was thinking like Corinth yeah, yeah. Oh, this sure. very like I'm imagining the Supreme Court yeah like there's this one very DC centric um, DC centric policy and then there's like actual the way that people get treated yep. and the thing about court cases and court decisions is are that 
Um, people will get treated one way, um, and the best case scenario is that they'll have remedy like five years from now. Right. But they're still they still don't get that job. They still um, you know don't get that house or whatever. Like they they are still discriminated against. Um, they are still negatively affected. Right. Um, like courts is where you're actually seeing like courts is where you're seeing black and brown people live through being criminalized. Yeah. Like that's where that's happening. That's where you're seeing really high incarceration rates for our community. Um, and that's true for the LGBTQ community as well. That like, because of this conservative shift, and you know, like lower courts have been conservative for a while now, so that's why we're seeing these huge rates of incarceration um, for black and brown people and for LGBTQ, uh, LGBTQ people, but like, it's growing. Yeah. So yeah, that, the courts is a, that's a scary place to be doing this Yay. crap. <laughs> um, the other pieces I had were, um, I didn't even know this until like looking up a little bit, but in the Department of Health and Human Services, there's a new division of conscious and religious freedom. What's that about? That's about making sure that healthcare workers don't aren't forced to do things that contradict to their religious beliefs right. um, in order to comply with federal law. Including um, provide abortions, right. including provide any sort of like trans-related health care. Right. Um, so you know, cool. There's an entire debate about the that. Do no harm. We do not Excuse have explicit tags. <laughs> <laughs> Forget <laughs> the do no harm. I can bleep it out. I think we can also just put the explicit tag on. No, I'll bleep it really out. Easy. It's, it's fine. Um, but like, first of all, who asked for that? <laughs> who needed that? I can tell you who asked for it. I mean, like, and whose freedom? And we talked about this last episode with like freedom of speech. Like, whose freedom? Right. Religious freedom, like yes. really, you need freedom to discriminate. That's what you yeah, want, right? Instead of, you know, freedom from discrimination, they're advancing freedom to discriminate. And that's what the Colorado case was about too. It's like the freedom to discriminate against who they want to discriminate against. Right. It's like that. And I think a lot of people interpreted it as saying, you know, like this doesn't actually impact anything. And that would be true if this were happening in a vacuum and right. like this was just one random court case where they, you know, like the decision didn't go the way we wanted it to. Unfortunately, it's you know like happening in the context of everything that you just listed. It's happening in the context of LGBTQ community being told very explicitly, "You are not welcome here, and we're going to make your life as miserable as possible." Right. Um, so, and it's also you know happening in the context of Trump saying this is a victory for religious freedom. So, like, yeah, this may not have like far-reaching like legal implications. It's going to have a lot of really far-reaching social implications. Right. People yeah. are already feeling very empowered to be hateful and bigoted to your face. Right. And this is just another thing that's going to let them feel even more empowered. Right. And again, like those people who then choose to, you know, discriminate, like the, the, the remedy if somebody chooses to pursue it is way down the road. Right. And if you already, have that remedy. Right. And they've already been harmed. Um, and so, yeah. The other thing, um, <clears throat> there's, so there's been work. <laughs> people <laughs> are doing the work. That. <laughs> there's been work to, um, to redefine the Civil Rights Act as not protecting um, LGBTQ workers in the workplace. Because it was recently interpreted as being able to protect them. Right. And there's also, I mean, there's a recurring, and it's not going to go anywhere um, until we flip Congress, but there's been something that even, like, I worked on when I was, like, right out of college, the employee, uh, the Employment Non-Discrimination Act. Right, right. That right. would make it so that you cannot get fired based on your sexual orientation or gender identity or perceived sexual orientation or gender identity. There is no protection at all for that at the federal level, and uh, there's no protection for most states. 
Um, So you can, like, we got same-sex marriage rights. I could have gotten married on Friday, and then if my boss found out about it, he had the legal right to fire me because that was not in keeping with the organization's values. Like, and that's something that's, yeah, like, we are not a protected class. We are a very vulnerable group of people, and... We're becoming even more so. There are, I mean, a minority of states have any sort of protection at all. So most states, and I mean, if you look at a map, and we'll link to a Vox article that has some resources, but like it's not, it's not, it's not like everything else where it's all delegated to like the you know American South. Um, <laughs> no, it's all over. Yeah, it's all over. Yeah. So you know. So this has been fun. I've enjoyed talking about this <laughs> <laughs> policy context. Do we have any solutions? Yeah, like don't do this. <laughs> Stop, no, please. I mean, <laughs> so, like, right there, there's a there's a wide range of policy solutions. Um, I think some that are some that are based upon like guaranteeing that people just have the right to exist and live mm-hmm. and are protected. Mm-hmm. Um, those are important things, like correctly applying the Civil Rights Act. Um, correctly applying, you know, the Constitution of the United States, um, specifically to like a lot of these, a lot of these court cases, um, and like defining rights and freedom in a way that it was that it should be defined. Um, so that's number one, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, so like one of the things that I think led to a lot of the marriage equality um, conversation and moved the needle on that was this idea that like there are people in your life who are negatively impacted by these. Um, by these policies that you're pushing. Um, and it was essentially humanizing it. Mm-hmm. You shouldn't have to know somebody who's negatively impacted by a lack of rights in order to, like, extend rights. Yeah. But it's shown to be an effective policy. Yeah, empathy only goes so far. <laughs> and I think representation is a, is a, an important first step in that. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, I, I mean, I think that's where pop culture really comes into. We've had this conversation before about culture driving policy and policy driving culture. Right. Um, and so an important part of that is absolutely representation in, in media. Enough people seeing us as human and, you know, worth having equal rights. Yeah, that makes a huge difference. I was thinking about this in the car. The other thing, um, and this is work that people need to do, is you need to stop voting for Bernie Sanders. <laughs> because... <laughs> I mean, and we, you know, there are so many effects, so many ill effects that came upon our nation uh-huh. as a result of people wanting to, like, you know, make a stand, take a stance or whatever. Uh-huh. But, like, if you have the privilege to, if you are, if you are somebody who, um, who the, the, the barriers to voting and participating in government, whether it's through voting or through driving to D.C. or through you can, you know, you can easily get an appointment with your legislator. If you're mm-hmm. one of those people, um, and I'm not talking about like an exclusive, I'm talking about people who are white, mm-hmm. people who are male, mm-hmm. people who are hetero. Mm-hmm. Like if you're one of those people and there aren't barriers being being actively built in your life to participate, then like vote the right way. Right. And don't don't like, make statements. Yeah. Don't <laughs> with yeah. Your don't vote. don't try to like you know show the man up. Like no, just vote because you know you might not be happy with this candidate, but like they're not going to be as they're not going to actively discriminate right. um, against people like and, and it's yeah so yeah i think i still get angry at this like the idea that like oh well, you know they're equally as bad i'm like my life would be <laughs> so much better yeah. <laughs> there's no equally as bad like my life would be better every brown person's life would be better like people would not be 
I mean, like families would not be getting like torn apart at the border because of immigration policy that was sort of like, you know, triggered by the president's words. That would not be the case if y'all had just acted right and voted the right way and not made all these statements about how like, oh, well, Bernie should have won and therefore I'm just gonna throw away my vote to make a point. Like the stakes could not have been higher and we <laughs> y'all gambled and lost and you lost a lot for me and you lost a lot for a number of communities. Yeah. Just so you can make some point. Also, and this is, <laughs> you can stop me. Mm-hmm. I feel like I say this every episode. And I sometimes do. <laughs> you know, one thing that I've learned and I'm continuing to learn, continuing to learn is like um, how to use that privilege. And when, and I, like, so very, very basic thing is to like speak up. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's, that's, that's one of those things where everybody's like, yeah, of course I'll speak up. And yeah, I'll stop hate speech. And it's like, but will but you? But will you actually? And I mean, and, and I've, I've been in situations where I have not. Um, and that's not a good feeling. And, um, and so, like, you know, this is not me saying, like, be, you know, I'm not perfect. But you can, we can do, all stand you can, to be better. Yeah, we can all do better. Yeah. And so take that opportunity. Like, look for those opportunities to to stand up and to use your voice and to like, you know, if you have to go back <laughs> and revisit a conversation, <laughs> then do that. Yeah. It's awkward as hell, but like, that's nothing. Yeah. And that's a very simple thing that people should be doing. I think that's great. So I'm reading a couple of things. I'm reading this Vice article called um, What Trans Folks Think About Trans Representation in Film and TV. And it's an interview with a number of different um, trans actors just about how representation is or is not changing for them and how specifically like cisgender men are getting so many roles for transgender women. And how like, so even though we're seeing more representation, like a lot of that representation is not actually real. And so transgender actors are just sort of getting left out and they're not getting the ability to actually represent themselves. So that's a really good article. Um, There's also another analysis from GLAAD, Victims or Villains, examining 10 years of transgender images on television. And it's talking about just sort of like how trans people have been represented um, and how problematic a lot of it is. Um, So yeah, those are two things. I am also reading The Mary Spinster by Daniel Mallory Ortberg, who recently came out as uh, transgender. And The Mary Spinster is a collection of really fun, some of them really fun, some of them really dark, short stories, a lot of which play with gender and orientation um, in really cool ways that Daniel has said, like, was sort of part of the process of realizing, like, who they really were. Um, and then I want to recommend a podcast that you put me onto, Still Processing, which is a really great podcast by two queer black people. Um, Who are freaking amazing. Yeah, they are incredible. And if you're I, listening, <laughs> please be our best <laughs> we friend. We love you guys so much. We want to be you when we grow up. <laughs> so yeah, that's what I'm reading slash listening to. Cool. Um, so also Still Processing. Yep. Um, which, like, after that, not their last episode, but the episode before last, like, for me, it was an opportunity to, like, go back and learn a lot about mm-hmm. who these cultural figures are um, who are really significant to them. Um, 
But also, so I would suggest reading um, Looking for Leroy, um, which, is, again, is this book about <clears throat> about expanding the definition of masculinity mm-hmm. um, and getting, a, you know, it talks about, one, why these stereotypes are harmful, and two, um, what are the benefits of, not necessarily what are the benefits, but just, like, what's the reality? Like, mm-hmm. who who are we black men as a... Um, as a an entire group of people, and like, what do we? What are the things that we all um, have in us? And spoiler alert: it's like all the feelings and things that humans have. Yep, um, <laughs> makes sense. But it's good to read it in a book. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing, um, I you know, this is what I'm reading. I'm not necessarily suggesting it. Should I even say it? No, please. Okay. I'm looking at the headline <laughs> and shaking my head. That's all. <laughs> Trump promised to be LGBTQ friendly. His first year in office proved it was a giant con. I would just like to interject. His entire career is a giant con. Right, like, he yeah. is a con artist. That's his whole deal. I don't know why anybody believes anything that man says. Right. But please go in about no, the No, the only reason I would recommend the article, it's a reference article, mm-hmm. I think. And it, mm-hmm. it just documents, and there's a lot of hyperlinks that document um, ways in which he has actively hurt people. Yep. Um, so if you aren't, you know, if you're not really cognizant of all the different ways, then I, I would highly suggest this article. Um, one more thing though this is not what I'm reading can, this is just another thing <laughs> I don't want to can you close by talking about um, what everybody else can do because I don't oh. want to be the last person talking about what people should be doing um, sure I mean I think the thing is I don't have a lot to add I think that if you are not like if you want to be an ally I guess I think one thing that you can do is take on the burden of having uncomfortable conversations with people who you love in your life. Um, people who are, you know, not necessarily as woke as you are. Like, that's where you can do the most help, I think. Because those conversations, like, we are forced to have those conversations because that's part of our life, that's who we are, and we have to defend our existence and our rights constantly. And so telling us that we should also show people grace and explain to them why our humanity matters. Like, we should do that in addition to what we're already doing, like how we're already trying to survive. Like, that's a really unfair burden. So if you have, like, a parent or a sibling or an uncle or just a friend who's constantly making homophobic jokes or transphobic comments, like, please step to them and have that conversation for us. That makes a huge difference. It means the world, and it means that we don't have to have that specific conversation. Cool. Thank you. Um, and I think I also want to give a quick shout out to um, my Facebook friends because I put out a question like, who's your favorite queer person of color character? And got a bunch of really cool responses, some of which I'd never heard of before. Um, so I, I'll probably just be linking, like this is the list that people yeah. came up with. Um, interestingly enough, the vast majority, I would say at least 90% of them were TV characters as opposed to movie characters, which tracks with the fact that we are seeing way less movie representation, but way more TV representation. And way more, um, yeah, we're seeing way more queer characters of color on TV, um, even than white queer characters, which is pretty cool. I think TV tends to be more on the cutting edge just because the stakes are a lot lower. There's way more money involved, or sorry, way less money involved. And yeah, I just thought that was interesting. So thank you all for engaging in that conversation. It was very illuminating. Yeah. Well, this is awesome. I just want to know Captain Holt was on there multiple times. Yes. <laughs> From Book of Nine-Nine. The character who, who I is, love. He is the absolute best. My favorite Captain Holt line was when he was forming his organization specifically for um, 
Is it for? It's for police officers, New York NYPD officers, mm-hmm. um, who identify as LB, LGBTQ, mm-hmm. and um, he presented the idea. And the people laughed at him. And then it cuts to, like, current day. And he says, well, they never said no. So <laughs> <laughs> I went ahead and funded it. So That's how we have to operate so often. It's like, well, I didn't hear a no. It's very Yeah, I love, movie. I think my, I don't know if you've gotten to his, like, total meltdown about um, dentists calling themselves doctors yet. No. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> Captain Holt is an icon. <laughs> um, but, yeah. This has been a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, so I guess people, you can find us um, on iTunes. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, um, Overcast, Pocket mm-hmm. Cast. There's, we have it linked on our website. So if you need to find us, you can find us there. Except on SoundCloud. We are not on SoundCloud. That is still... It's an ongoing beef. It's, it's almost a murder beef at this point. <laughs> I don't know who SoundCloud is, what they look like. <laughs> if I see them on the street, it's a wrap. Um, so yeah, please subscribe, please, um, review, please rate, please share. Yeah. Um, you can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram. We are at the podcast. You can find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash at the podcast. You can find us on our website at dash the dash intersection.com. Do not give me grief about that URL. Just like it and favor it. And then you don't have to type it in. Yeah, that's, that's so true. That's what I did. It worked for me. <laughs> solutions um email us oh yes you can email us at of the intersection we're not at email us we are of the intersection at the intersection of do you want to start that over you can email us at the intersection of at gmail.com there you go we'd love to hear from you we really would and um yeah shout out to our our music producer DJ Seven Keys. You can find him on Instagram at Mr. Underscore Seven Keys. That's the numeral seven. Yeah. Um, so yeah. This has been at the intersection. See you next time. Take care.